Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Does Daniel Levy go for the big name? I think Pochettino would be a big name. Tushel. Or does he go for someone who is younger and would give them a bit, you know, more of a sort of patient rebuild type approach? Hello everybody and welcome once again to what I must describe as a very special view from the lane, the Tottenham Hospital podcast from The Athletic. I'm your host, Danny Kelly, and I am here in the studio for the very first time that all the greats of the podcast, with all due respect to Charlie Eccleshare, have been gathered together in one Athletic London studio, my colleagues Jack Pitbrook, James Moore, and Tim Spears. And this is where, because of the circumstances, we can say, Welcome, hello, how are you all? Very good. And you all burbled again together. This is the first time we've been doing this virtually. On this episode, we're building up to the huge second leg against Milan in the Champions League, but we'll touch upon another. The word in front of me here is shambolic, but I don't think it's quite that. It was more, it was more nuanced than that performance at the weekend in the Tim Spears derby. It might have been El Spearsico. Uh, yeah, the Spearsico. It, it, it might have been a, a few days ago now, but it's still fresh in the mind. How bad were Spurs against Wolves? Uh, at the end of it, I was apoplectic because I thought it was so bad. And of course, that's four successive scoreless defeats in four successive away games in three different competitions. I was apoplectic. Passage of time and the stats tell me perhaps I was overreacting because I think Spurs had 25 shots at goal and had had, I mean, a dozen plus before Wolves even got, got into the penalty area. Mm. I was livid, Danny. Absolute furious. Ah, come on. Really angry I was <laughs> with everything that was going on. Look, I, at, I, I'm not, you look know, at this tissue of pretense. No one likes this. Come on. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna gloat at all. And you, you wonder why you're I'm supposed to be neutral. You wonder why I'm smiling so much. It's supposed to be professional. It's because you're here, Danny. It's That's Jack. Why I'm it's because Jack's here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean the performance was was fine for an hour. Twenty one shots I think they had. They hit the bar twice. They're in complete control. Uh Wolves didn't have a single attempt in the first half. You know, it was it was it was all Spurs. It was it wasn't particularly dynamic or or very fully free flowing. Oh, by the standards um, of their first halves in recent times, it was yeah, better. Let's yeah. put it that way. You know, it, it was it was it was pretty functional. They were moving the ball around quite nicely and tidily. But then the difference in the second half was, you know, Wolves Wolves were were proactive. Julian Lopetegui was proactive with his changes. He changed the formation, which having covered Spurs for a few months is is a concept is, is just alien to me. And changed to them their, certainly, yeah, yeah. And, and and changed their approach. You know, they made five subs by the sixty seventh minute and got better as the game went on. And Spurs regressed basically and didn't react very well to those changes. It wasn't just the substitute and, per- and the personnel that he changed. It profoundly changed the shape of the game, didn't it? They went from Lamina man marking Kane to taking him off, taking a chance on Kane getting the ball to his feet more often and giving themselves a chance going forward. James, are you like me? Have you come down off the ledge since the weekend? Yeah, just just about. But I mean, it was, it was incredibly frustrating. And I, I mean, actually, I say that when, when that goal went in uh, and I was actually only following the game on Twitter, but obviously I've seen it since. M- my reaction was, I would say, bordering on indifference, really. And I, I'm surprised to be at that stage already when, you know, it's still fourth in the league, still should be plenty to play for. 
But I, I, there's just kind of a sense of inevitability about it now. And obviously we saw Liverpool on Sunday score seven goals against Manchester United and suddenly look like an absolutely terrifying proposition. But I, I wasn't at all surprised. It felt like, you know, you know, even hearing that Spurs have played incredibly well in the first half, and I'm sure you had exactly the same feeling at half-time, it just felt obvious they were going to lose that game 1-0 at that point. I, I, did, I didn't know that, uh, but I didn't, didn't know what Lopetegui, proper manager... That's not saying disrespect, disrespect of Conte, but he just happens to be a proper manager was going to do. And for, for what it's worth, James, um, I've, I've been shocked, uh, particularly on Saturday night when I was rumbling around first in the east end of London, then in, then in the glitzy west end, the number of people, you know, not thousands, some, who recognised me come up to me and start talking about the fact they support Spurs. And every one of them, that was the phrase, I've given up now. Now, that cannot be good for the club. You say you're indifferent. That cannot be good for the club that these successions of either Groundhog Day terrible first half performances or Groundhog Away Day performances is causing people just to just to, to, to not care anymore. That seems, you know, it's almost impossible to believe that we're only 10 days away from that Chelsea game where we were all literally, we did this podcast, we're an open top bust, we had a commemorative DVDs and people were striking medals uh, for the players. And here we are where we are now. I mean, I would say it was probably more down to that Sheffield United game than the Wolves game, though. Well, at least it? they I think... won that, and the through to the next round. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that I, I, I'm still kind of in recovery from that. Really, like the, Wol- the Wolves game's kind of washed over me a little bit. I'm still incredibly annoyed about the the approach to that game, both in terms of the personnel and the kind of drive of the players, the attitude of the players, which was obviously not good. And it does, it does, it does make you question: What is the point of of supporting this football club? What you know? What wow, is the aim is, and the ambition of this football club? This is more nihilistic than I was fearing. What is the point of supporting I mean, this football club? But you're not you, the first you, person who said those words to me. You've come asked. here. Let's get deep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really interested by what James has just said and why why it is that objectively the conditions are not that bad. You know, right. in terms of the league position, they've got a, a re- it's not like they've got a hopeless manager. They've got a really good manager. Although under a unique set of circumstances, really, which no big team ever wants to find themselves in. Well, I, I, and they've put themselves in those circumstances. They have, yeah. They? And you're right. And, and I, don't, I can't think, and I think you and I might have talked about this on Saturday night. No big team has ever, to my knowledge or to my memory, uh, and Danny and Tim might come back, or you might come back with something now, uh, with an example. But I can't think of a big team. Uh, and we do have to define Spurs as a big team because they've blocked themselves, they themselves in the Super League. So, yeah. you know, it's fair enough to use that. No, no other big team has put themselves in a situation where their manager, who is the key figure at the football club, but more or less any football club, yeah. the manager will be the key figure. It is effectively already on the way out, like before even the halfway point of a season. And we were having these conversations in sort of October as well. I know this isn't a new thing to this part of the season. We were talking about this, you know, after some of the poor, poor performances in the autumn. And, and it isn't just with hindsight that we say this was a situation they should have sorted out during the World Cup because I think we did talk about it in the podcast yes. immediately after the World Cup, admittedly. But, well, but I still they, think... They, like, had, they had a second chance then, the end of the transfer window, didn't they? Yeah. They had two two obvious chances to do what clearly to me needs to be done because it's going to happen anyway. Because he's not going to... Jack, he's not going to sign... I mean, I know you've written about the future. He's not going to sign another contract because Spurs may not ask him to and he definitely won't. Yeah, I mean, I think that at this point, the chances of Conte signing a new deal are incredibly low. And so the, the chance, Tottenham's, Tottenham's next season starts the weekend of 12th and 13th of August. I think the chances of Conte being Tottenham manager at that point are basically zero. And it's not, I think it is both the case that Conte doesn't want to sign a new deal, but I also think the, the club's attitude, the club's appetite for Conte signing a new deal is not what it was either. So in both senses... I can't say I'm surprised. But exactly, on. yeah, because, I mean, the football has been bad. He, 
it's difficult behind it's difficult behind the scenes. I think some some of the players are very loyal to him. Other of the players, are, a lot of the players, I think, are pretty fed up with him. Uh, I think Conte's kind of abrasiveness behind the scenes has not gone down well. People are just it's negativity about the club in public. Yeah. You can't have that. Once say that they haven't done well in the past and that you need better funds, but banging on and on and on about it. I know, yeah, and that and that has all you know all of this together has worn people down, and so I think that. I, you know, I think a lot of people at Tottenham, both in the playing and non-playing side, are looking forward to a fresh start under a different manager next season. But I think that that isn't like those circumstances are not that surprising because that's been the case with Conte at other jobs. Like he was, you know, his last his, his second season at Chelsea was pretty miserable. His exit from Juventus was pretty difficult. His, you know, I don't think his, the way he left into a slightly different because, of course, they won the title. But what is surprising? For that. For yeah, that. What is surprising is what James just said, which is that you've got a big club in this kind of what strikes me as like a uniquely weak position Nobody, I mean, to have it, to have a manager who is letting it drift to the end of his contract and they're not seizing control and saying this isn't good enough anymore. They're, they're almost like they're, they're frightened. He is holding the club to ransom in some weird way. But he isn't though, is he? No, well, he because he what's, what's his anything. end game? No, There's no like anything, end game. No. No, yeah, he's just like, demonstrating more the like he's kind of squatting. Of <laughs> I mean, there is something there is something wrong with the Premier League at the moment. There are two fantastic teams in it. We all know who they are. You've got the third place team can get beat seven. Fourth place team will come back to. The fifth place team is in nosedive. The sixth place team will be doing better. I know that's Liverpool. They're doing better. You know, it's it's a very very strange league this year. And I'm gonna. I promised we wouldn't go. go I wouldn't get too bleak about this. But I'm gonna say it because it's what I actually think. And I'm gonna use a word. And I'm only gonna use it once. I don't know how we got here because, you know, I don't know the inner workings. And I don't care who is to blame. I don't care if it's Enoch, Joe Lewis, Daniel Levy, Antonio Conte, the players. Am I right in thinking that Spurs are actually not a very good football team? They are, what on the terraces and in public houses, will be described as a shit team. Because that's what I think about them. No, I don't think that. I think they are... I think they're a kind of efficient quite ugly quite kind of minimalistic team who do the least that they need to do to win the game uh or at least that's the plan uh-huh. um which has it's, it's weird isn't it because they I, I watching them i feel like the theory is that they want to exert as little energy as possible in winning the game do you know what i mean like they want to yeah. do they want to create as few a chance as they need to create to win the game obviously in practice it's actually sometimes requires a lot of work because they have a habit of going two down in the first half i actually think that a lot of the a, quite a few of the performances recently have actually been fine like you know the the west the man city west ham chelsea wins were fine i just think that the the overall approach and this is kind of completely inseparable from the conte contract situation is has proven incapable of bringing people along with it do, do we need, need to reconsider what beating West Ham and beating Chelsea actually means because West Ham are are they back in the bottom three now they're certainly in the bottom sort of four or five they've lost four nil at Brighton on Saturday clearly in a bit of a state sounds like most of the fans want Moyes out Chelsea at that point had won I think it was two in 14 before that it was two in 15 after the game obviously they've won against Leeds narrowly this weekend so you've beaten a team in the relegation scrap at home and a mid-table team completely out of form at home. And actually, uh, be- beating West Ham and Chelsea, if you're Spurs, obviously is a thing you yes. want and need to do and is great. But in the context of this season, did, did we overestimate slightly Maybe. what that meant? Beating Man City in the way that they did, obviously, 
a completely different game. We take that as a given that we beat Manchester. Well, maybe. And what I would add to that is that I do think that if you look back at the situation two years ago, when I think there's quite a lot of parallels between now and then, remember when Tottenham went on that good winning run in February 2021, when kind of Bale got into the team and they battered Burnley, they battered Crystal Palace, they beat Wolfsburger AC in Europe. And all of a sudden, it felt as if, oh, maybe Jose Mourinho's sorted it out. And then, obviously, a few weeks later, Mourinho had been sacked. And you look in hindsight, you think, oh, they just had an easy run of fixtures. And it might well be the case that in the kind of fullness of time, and we can take a step back and say, oh, that the run that Tottenham have just been on was really just a function of an easy fixture list. In fairness, I always judge teams, you know, not groups of players, but teams, on two things. On one hand how they come back from going a goal behind. Now Spurs, because they've had a lot of practice at it, have actually done very well this year from that, to give them their credit. The other thing is, how do you do away from home? It's as simple as that. Because I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, you can't measure these things, but I think we could probably put together a decent performance with 62,000 people roaring you on. It's what you do away from home that matters. And this succession, we're now into the latter days of Pochettino here, aren't we? Where Every away performance has different um, activities in it, different attitudes, different competitions, but the result is always the same. They come away without winning. Um, and it's, it, it's, uh, it looks spineless to me. Yeah, but definitely. You, you, sorry, you, you, you don't have the emotional skin in the game. And that's not an accusation. Um, that, it's actually to, to, to valuable to us here. How good or bad is this actual Spurs team? Never mind where they are in the league. Um, I think I've said before, I, I definitely don't feel like I'm watching the fourth best team in the league and I feel like it's the ineptitude of Liverpool and Chelsea and others that, that means that Spurs are where they are more than more than Spurs being the fourth best team in the country. I think I think the narrative has shifted massively from the start of the season when I started covering the club was can Spurs keep hold of Conte maybe and you know and Conte feels he's too good for Spurs, but you know, if we get it right then it then it'll work. But I think the last week and certainly the, the Wolves game in particular has kind of said to me that you know, we have sort of put forward mitigating circumstances for Conte We've um, done this best. season in terms of injuries and the World Cup and the schedule and then, you know, the personal issues that he's had. Absolutely. You know, but right now the squad is 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 almost all there and the selections for Sheffield United and Wolves. And then and then just looking at that Wolves game in terms of tactical inflexibility compared to the opposition and squad depth compared to the opposition, you know, the five players that Wolves brought off the bench. Um you know, Jimenez, Cunha, Traore, who scores the winning goal. And then you look at what Spurs do off the bench. Yeah, I know we're not going to drag through every minute of this game, no. but just, it, just, it just really kind of highlighted to me that if Lucas Moura, who's leaving the club in the summer, is the first player to come off the bench, then there's, there's, something, there's something wrong there. He comes off the bench ahead of a £60 million footballer who plays roughly the same position and a player who they've soured their relationship with another Premier League club just to get at the last minute in the transfer window. What the hell is that about? Except as I think, I think this is chaos now. I think the, the a ping-pong ball is just bouncing around the head of everybody at Spurs and they cannot get it to sit still long enough to make good decisions about the team. Dan, Dan Juma, I, I tweeted this on Saturday night. Club signing, right? I just had the had the same vibes now with Dan Juma never playing as he did with Spence in the first half of the season. And it does feel like that signing kind of came about in a similar way. Uh, and Jack and Tim will be a better place to say whether or not this is the case. But my sense is, just from looking at it, that Spurs saw an opportunity to bring in another attacking player towards the end of the window. They wanted to add depth to the squad. They knew this guy was available. They saw he was going to go to Everton and thought, oh, okay, we can probably get him in here instead. They did that deal late. Conte said his nose put out of joint because he wanted someone else. Uh, LA, and, uh, yeah. whoever, whoever it is in Syria that he would have wanted. Uh, and he's basically refused to play him. I really don't want to relitigate the argument about 
the what team should they have picked at Bramall Lane last week. But I, for all the conversations about should they play Kane, should they play Romero, etc., etc., I still like no no good reason has occurred to me why they played Lucas over Danjuma. I mean, how why would you not play Danjuma? Those two games, Danjuma, like sort of fifteen minutes across the two games. Is that right? Something like that. How many? He's played forty-one in total and, and scored one goal. I mean, it's utterly it's bewildering. And also, like Dan Juma's come in. Dan Juma over the last few years has been playing. He's been playing to a really high standard for Villarreal, who are a good team. Lucas hasn't played any football all season. And he's played those two Champions League games the out of nowhere. The window is still open. He could, if they scrape together um, the, the necessary, they, they, he might he might still be gone. It was absolutely ridiculous. But it, just, it makes no sense to me at all. Just on, on, on recruitment, because I think it's, it's it's a very valid point. How many signings, I'm going to ask Jack this, how many signings... Why aren't you been, asking me? <laughs> just shut up. Uh, how many signings have been completely agreed on as as much as you can by Conte, Paratici and Levia and the people who make those decisions because it feels like Bissouma, Richarlison was an opportunistic signing, Danjuma, uh, maybe the same, Spence, you know, how many of these? I actually think Richarlison, I think Richarlison is actually the best answer to that question. I think Richarlison is someone who was very much Levy and Conte and Paratici um, I, and arguably and Toro yeah. as well was, was some, you know, if they spent that much money it's because everybody would have been pulling in the same direction and yet Richarl- you know, I thought Richarlison was a good signing at the time and still think he's a good signing. It's just no, he's a good player. Whether he's going to be a good well, signing, we have no way of knowing yet. I th- but again, which I think Richarlison has suffered from what quite a few players in that squad have suffered from, which is that if the manager only plays the same eleven every week, if you're outside that eleven, it's really, really difficult to develop the form treatment of confidence. The of the squad players and the new players... If not, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a disgrace because that's what they want to do. But it has been damaging in the medium and long term to the good of the squad. There's no denying that. And of course, it it, it speaks to an arrogance, the same arrogance that says we will not change this system because this system is so proven, so great, so perfect that if the players just buck their ideas up, we will beat wars. When Lopetegui does what he does at halftime, alters the balance of the game. Wrong foots the Spurs system for, for 15 minutes, in which time the game changes. Um, it takes Wolves a little longer to get the score. They don't think about changing it because their almighty system must be going to work. No, sir, you've got to do better than that, I'm afraid, if you're one of the top managers in the world. And the result of it um, is this. Um, we're not quite comparing apples and oranges here, but uh, 28 games last season. Um, Spurs have scored 60 and conceded 24. 26 games so far this season. They have scored 46 as opposed to 60 and have conceded 36 as opposed to 24. They are 50% less efficient in defence and 50% less efficient in attack, which won't win you a lot of Premier League games, even in a Premier League season like this, which is stinking the place out. In that sense, it's kind of a miracle that they... That those numbers can be the case, and yet their league position at they the moment don't is the draw same. Any games. They, they do yeah. the run. from that point. They've, got the they've been efficient in how they've they've used their good and bad performances. But you know, you, that's a classic thing where the numbers kind of back up the eye test, which is that the team is obviously like using your eyes. You can tell the team is just much worse than it was last season. I mean, look, we've done this a couple of times over the course of the season, but, but we can 20. do it again now. Like, how many times this season have you turned off a TV or walked away from a game and thought that was a good performance? That was like an entertaining and competitive and well-organised, functional, coherent performance. City. Chelsea. Those two, yep. which have both come in the last what, four weeks. Yes. Maybe that West Ham one as well, actually. I mean, they weren't brilliant in the first half, but they did the job. Yeah, so that's two and a half. Fine. I mean, other than that. The opening day of the season, Southampton, they've yeah, played okay pretty for a while. Yeah. Having been... But essentially, your, your point you're making is it's been a slog. It's been sludgy. Yeah, it's the, there hasn't been like a spell of a season where it's felt 
I mean, the closest we've come to a spell of a season where it's felt like Spurs are playing well and they've got a bit of momentum has been the last like three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah. But and then you've seen straight off the back of that. A whole load of terrible yeah. defeats. And, yeah. and at no point in this season have they been like a fraction as good as they were February, March, April last year, no. where you watched them play and you thought, wow, this is actually a really serious team who are very difficult to play against and don't concede and are deadly going forward when they get the ball. And if they continue on this trajectory, they'll be really good next this season. This is the team that uh, Tim Spears thought he was going to be watching. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, even when they beat Leicester six two, it was it was it wasn't a six two game at all, was it? And most of those haphazard comeback wins. It's hard to answer yeah. James's question. Not, except, except there for, aren't there are spells within games where they've obviously played well, and they obviously played well for sort of twenty minutes, half an hour at the end of that Leicester game or whatever. But yeah, that there haven't it hasn't been you, you never there hasn't been a moment or a, or a spell of time where. It's felt like Spurs are on an upward, a clear upward trajectory during this season. Yeah, all right. Look, the the Wolves game can't be can't be replayed, can't be refought, and in many ways it, it echoes, except for the first half performance, many of the things we've been moaning about. Jack, I'm intrigued that you're now writing about, I guess, the post Conte future, or at least speculating what that might look like. Is that what's going to be in your piece? Now, well, yeah. I mean, look, the post Conte. So I believe Conte's contract expires on the 30th of June. So we've got I think, less than four months of it to go. Personally, and this is not based on inside information or evidence, I have a hunch that Conte will not be manager for Leeds United away on the 28th of May, the last game of the season. Just because I I wouldn't be surprised if this heads into the direction of the 2020-2021 season, where, of course, uh, Daniel Levy sat Jose Mourinho with six league games left to give Spurs the best possible chance of uh, European qualification under Ryan Mason. Like I said, I've no information telling me that that is the case. That's just my hunch based on the direction that things are going in. Daniel Levy's record of behavior levy daniel levy has never been a reluctant sacker he sat you know whether it was nuno pochettino jose Mourinho. reluctant sacker is an arsenal fan on twitter right yeah really <laughs> uh martin yoll all those guys like levy has been quick to sack them as soon as he thought it was the right thing to do as soon as the crowd got on his back to be absolute measure it by you know. so i can i can see it i can um regardless of whether or not conte's manager ellen road the point is that you know the the post contact era will be with us incredibly soon. Yeah, and and they've got to do something about it. And I see all kinds of things being put forward by your colleagues in the press. You know, suddenly Steve Cooper is going to be the next manager of Spurs because he happens to have the same agent as two of Spurs' forward players. Um, I, that, I don't know that that was just run by his agent. That story over the weekend, I'm sure. Cooper's name has certainly come up. I mean, I've heard Cooper's name over the weekend. I know it's in the papers as well over the weekend. I believe it's in the Daily Mail. Cooper is a name that I've heard. What's really what's going to be really interesting is. Does Daniel Levy go for another big name? I think you know Pochettino would be a big name, Tushel, mm-hmm. or does he go for someone who is younger and would give them a bit, you know, more of a sort of patient rebuild type approach? And that could be. You know, I think Cooper would probably be at the, t- at the top of that mini list, but you might also have Deserby, Thomas Frank, Marco Silva. So that's four managers currently operating in the Premier League who I think. They could well take a look at. Glasner's name has come up in yeah, the last few days, um, hasn't it? I think that Pochino is probably the likeliest option. Right. But I think you know at this point there's no there are no guarantees at all that they would get him. Two two, two things have struck me in the last week or so or eight days. One, very precise. Well, <laughs> you'll see why in a second. One when I, when I tweeted a couple of sort of broadly critical things about Conte after the game on Saturday night. I had literally not one reply oh, people saying, are inviting you to parties. Enoch out, yeah. Levy out, 
or you know you're talking rubbish or defending Conte, which is which is what's happened like with any criticism of Conte over the last sort of eighteen months. Uh, there was absolutely none of that. And two, and, and actually we should have talked about this last week, and I forgot. Spurs beat Chelsea two 0 convincingly, with a former Chelsea manager, a stricken former Chelsea manager in charge. You know, it's a great moment to sing his name for that to be a big tribute to him. And and unless I missed it, and I sit in the loudest part of the ground, mm-hmm. no one is singing his name at any point in that game. I didn't hear it at all. That's quite striking, that isn't it? Yeah, I remember thinking that. I, I I went in. I went to that game expecting there to be some kind of uh, Antonio singing. Yeah, and there was nothing. So you know, it's a lazy, easy chance just singing his name on on sure. repeat, and, and you didn't even have that surprise. I mean, and of course, the club aren't playing it in through the PA either, are they? Let's be truthful. <laughs> I've come to the position that I believe no science this. I believe that reappointing people probably doesn't work out, although. The big clubs do it all the time. I'm thinking about Zidane at Real Madrid. I'm thinking about Mourinho at Chelsea. Uh, you could argue Kevin Keegan at Newcastle. Ranieri had two goes at Rome. Lippi's had two goes at Juventus. So has Max Allegri. And Louis van Gaal's been to, to, to Barcelona twice. I'm not having Keegan in that list. Yeah, I am putting him in there. Who I'm, won the chat? Carlo Ancelotti, Champions League winner, a few only a few months ago in his second spell uh, at Real Madrid. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think the, the the stat that someone's given me here is that overall, all of those have done six percent worse in terms of wins on the second go. And certainly, you know, you see things like you know, back in the day, Howard Kendall's second go, at, uh, third go at Everton, just a terrible. But I have to say, maybe it's just because I so want this painful dentistry like process of Conte's departure to be speeded up I'd be happy now for Mauricio to come back I think we'd see some more attacking football more attacking intent at least and if the results weren't as good as the first time round, I could live with that because I can't I don't like the atmosphere in my own head of supporting Spurs at the moment and I think a lot of that has been caused by the current management I mean obviously as, uh, you say bring back Derek Dugan well <laughs> if, if he's the right man for the job then so be it but obviously there are there are many many issues that led him to leave to leaving the club are they are they are, do they just not exist anymore you know I, no, probably worse well, um, whether it you know whether it's whether it's a name or not you know whether they're young or not you just want a, a, a progressive energetic ambitious manager who's tactically astute and can and can enlist some attacking football you know when appropriate not not off the handbrake but whatever uh, aligned with a you know a recruitment strategy and 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 aligned with goals that the the people who pay his wages have as well you know, it's, it's... Uh, the, the key word in that sentence actually and you wouldn't have intended it to be is, so to me it's actually the word young because to me, a big part of why it worked so well with Pochettino was because he had this young, dy- young, dynamic manager who I think players could relate to because he kind of felt so like in touch with their careers, if you know what I mean. You know, he played with Arteta, Ronaldinho, players that they would have been familiar with. He's not like from a dim and distant past. Like it felt so current. And he was kind of, you know, exciting and he, like he kind of had the right kind of personality to kind of get players on side and that felt evident quite quickly and quite aside from the fact that it's never as good the second time round i just have this slight nagging doubt that i don't know he wouldn't he wouldn't have quite the same energy as he did first time round like that energy and that aura was such a big part of it like, would ne- how he made it work it would not be like it was in 2014 the amazing thing about 2014 in hindsight is the extent to which Pochettino, like the circumstances of the club and Pochettino's energy and ideas 
created a blank slate. Like you never get blank slates in football, and yet he managed to build himself one, so to speak. He can't which, possibly have a blank. He can't and he can't, can't be a blank, blank slate, slate because, like some of those guys, he's managed for five years already. What I would say though, and I sorry, I, I you know, Pochettino turned fifty-one the other day. He's obviously not. You know, you wouldn't call him a young manager anymore. Danny probably would. To be what, what I would say though, to add to, man, on top manager. of that, is that even though, in a sense, you know, it feels like a nostalgic step, and it is. Pochettino's methods and football, I believe, are more modern than any of yeah. the methods or football that Tottenham have had in the last three and a half years since they sacked him. And appointing Pochettino would at least stop them appointing another defensive coach. For some reason, they keep coming round to this. They've taken effect. I mean, they've had they've effectively stepped backwards in the last few years. You know, Mourinho's methods were very much out of date. I think by the time he got to Tottenham, as well as his choice of backroom staff, and Conte. I mean, Conte's a kind of almost sui generis in this sense, but he he is so. He has his, his own way of playing, which I think is very different from most other coaches. And in some senses, he is incredibly up on on things like fitness and sports science sure. and stuff. But uh, the football, uh, this is something we alluded to last week, the football itself is less modern than Pochettino. Pochettino's kind of positional style and you know defending on the halfway line and pressing intensely and all that kind of thing is just much more modern. So it wouldn't. It's not. In, it's not solely a regressive retrograde thing to get him back in charge. You can, and also, I mean, it's an obvious point, but you can get away with so much if you're playing, like, ambitious football. Exactly. Like, yeah. Going out on the front foot, and when we talked about this after the game last week, Sp- Spurs can't play on the front. And I know they had, like, a good first half at Wolves, but they cannot play on the front foot because they've had three and a half years of defensive managers, and they don't know how to control the game. <laughs> they don't know how to dominate the ball, yeah. You will get away with it. Of course you will, because... Nobody can guarantee the result of a football match. Not even Pep Guardiola can guarantee the result of a football match. But when you're playing 90 quid, you have to see your team set out to, in my opinion, to win the game rather than sit there and hope to luck into a win because you have to have one or two good players on the break. Um, And there's a reason, Jack, and you're you're factually correct. He is sui generis. Nobody else plays like uh, Antonio Conte does. And I think there's a very, very good reason for that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Yeah, welcome back to the second part of today's edition of The View from the Lane, where hopefully we'll put the... Uh, the misery of Molyneux, if it might be so bold behind us, although I allow Tim Spears to still... A, a, a smile playing about his lips. Tim Spears is here with me, Danny Kelly, Jack Pitbrook and James Moore. We're all together in the London studio. So it's like a sort of, sort of party, but so far it's been a bit grim, hasn't it? Let me just give you a few bits of pieces of news. Um, Gio Lo Celso, still a Spurs player, of course, has returned for Villarreal after five months out. Brian Hill played up against Matt Doherty, uh, for their respective teams in Spain at the weekend. There's a lovely, a lovely picture here in me of Matt not quite getting the ball off of, uh, off of, off of Hill. Toby Alderweireld has retired from international football at the age of 34. The former Manchester United strategy chief, uh, Hayam Sayo, is now working for Spurs. That's uh, what Dan Sheldon in The Athletic says. He's a sort of administrative bigwig in football. He's working for Spurs. And uh, Ran got beaten again at the weekend and... Jed Spencer has, has not won a game yet, I don't think, since he moved there. Though he continues to be picked, Joe Rode on his back on the bench. All of which then takes us, and we have deep breath, to the fact that Spurs, I think, not amazingly, but if you looked at the last few away games, it'd be hard to say, not only is this team fourth in the Premier League, but they've got a decent chance of getting through to the quarterfinal of, as we're all being told with that puffed-up tone, the world's premier club competition. I'll start with, I'll start with you because you're going to have to report on it, Tim. Um, what do you hope, what do you think you're going to see on Wednesday night? Well, judging on the first leg to OK teams that you know have, have the odd player who can make a huge difference, but really... Pro- pro- You're really probably selling it. <laughs> I'm glad we haven't got live commentary. No, however, you know, with, with it being a second leg and with with the two teams not having much to choose between them, not just based on the first game, but I think in general, if you look at their league performances this season, I think it'd be tight. And, it, I, and you know, the phrase 50 50 is banded out a lot, but it really feels like a 50 50. And uh, obviously, the danger would be if Milan score first. However, but still leave Spurs needing two to keep in the game. Well, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Just it's in, not as dangerous as it would have been with away goals. No, absolutely. But I, I feel like, uh, yeah, if, if they do score first, then they have the defensive ability to, to see out the game. However, with, you know, what we all hope would be a, an incredible atmosphere. I mean, you know, I've, I've heard it called possibly the biggest. James disagreed because he, he scoffed when I said this and it wasn't my opinion, but one of, if not the biggest game at, at the new stadium. No, that's rubbish, okay, isn't it? Right, well. well, we've had a semi-final there. How can this game possibly be bigger? It's just what somebody's told me. Well, a person was yeah. talking absolutely... City, City and Ajax in 2019 have yeah, got to be both definitely game. both right. bigger. But one of then, one of. So you'd hope... It'd be in the top... T- and that Arsenal game last season anyway, as well. So it's going to be a really good atmosphere, top, Danny, is what I was five. trying to say. Um, Maybe so, six. yeah. No, I, I, I'm looking forward to There isn't much to choose between the teams and I just, I just, I just hope to God after... What felt like two team selections geared towards this game that they actually get the selection right? Are you going? Are uh, you... Yeah, I'll right. I'll tell be me there, what. Yeah. Tell me how Spurs are going to win this game. Come on! <laughs> on Saturday night, I had three separate messages from three different pessimistic Spurs fans who all said, "Bet they win on Wednesday night," D- despite how terrible they were against Wolves and Sheffield United, and how terrible we expect they'll be against Nottingham Forest. The worst at everyone, Leicester, but anyway, <laughs> everyone, everyone seems to think. That Spurs will go through on Wednesday night. I, I actually just to go to Tim's point. Now, without wanting to labour your bad point, Tim, or your your nameless 
Conte's bad point. I wonder, is it a bigger game for Conte than it is for Spurs in a way? It would be great for him to get knocked out of a Champions League by an Italian team if we assume that that is basically where he's going to want to go, right? I mean, it wouldn't really be great timing for him to be humbled by a team sort of scraping around. I hear you, but it seems to me from what I'm talking to people who know Italian football, they'll be queuing up for him. In the same way, Mourinho's awful spell of Spurs manager didn't damage his reputation in Italy one little bit. In fact, he is the king of Rome. Wednesday, he got beat by a team who hadn't won a single game, Cremonese. He got a red card. They still love him. They absolutely love him. I mean, we're missing something with Antonio Conte, I think. At least I'm missing something. That's a really interesting point, isn't it, about it being a big game for Conte. Maybe that will add a bit of extra, extra might, motivation might for him. Put the strongest team out. Yeah. It's, although it's weird well, because... Extra defender, be nine at the back. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it, because... I wonder how much the bad vibes of the last week will affect the atmosphere coming into this because if it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't for the last two games I think it could have it could have been a, a an amazing atmosphere and maybe it still will be but I I just wonder if the the kind of vibe has turned a bit I think the fans will be up for it I, I think Yeah I don't it, I don't see it being toxic but yeah they'll no, definitely no, take the edge I think, off, I, think. I think it'll be fantastic uh, because of everything that's going on I think the Spurs fans the ones who haven't given up um will say look the, the, the people who run the club are not doing the right things. The management is inept and the, the team is struggling. The only people who can do anything about it now is us. And all we can do is make a huge noise in a dome designed to capture that noise and reflect it back out onto the pitch. I'd be surprised, or oh, this may be just my Panglossian optimism, um, I'd be surprised if there wasn't an amazing atmosphere and they were trying to lift those players to do what they would have to do. And, of course, none of us believe sit around this table uh, even Tim, who is now a massive Spurs fan, has disowned Wolves and burnt his scarf. None of us believe Spurs are going to win the Champions League. But of course, you know, none of us believe they're going to get to the final in 2019 and stuff happens. It's a cup competition. I, I feel like, yeah, just with the atmosphere, it's, it's AC Milan, for God's sake. Once you see those those red we're, and black shirts. You know, we're, we're used to it, those sort of teams. <laughs> it would certainly add a much better uh, atmosphere to the, the what I'm, could be the very boring last day's of Conte's tenure if they have this Champions League run if there's a prospect that his last game is not Elland Road but in fact uh, the Ataturk Stadium on the 10th of June two weeks after that then don't you, what, don't you think that would be amazing if you could go out with the I Champions mean, League I, final I, I, I wouldn't say no to it but um, that's big of you I, I was just, I was just <laughs> processing obviously I want Spurs to go through there's, I'm, I'm not one of these people that would put that no, kind of short term no, no, agenda to ahead of, of the success of a team but uh, just the idea that like they could scrape through unconvincingly. It's really run, I mean, you get Benfica in the next round. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're or, good, or, but or not then you get Real Madrid in the next round, and then there's Conte, some winnable... we're dragging out Conte in the league for another sort of four weeks, but just because they're going to lose six. There are some. There are some winnable ties win, in there. Win, win, win the, uh, the the Champions League in in Istanbul. Be sacked on the, on the plane on the way back. He wouldn't need to be sacked. He's got a. Uh, by that point, he'd only have three weeks left in his contract. Would he so. be more or less likely to stay if he won the Champions League? Uh, less, less. What happened to Inter? I just think I think they would make a difference fundamentally, but it would be what a way to go out. Is it? it, it it's I can't believe you're talking about. It's this. the ending that. How Pos- this happened? It's the ending that Pochettino dreamed of. Injected it into the gloom of what was happening previously. And the Arsenal supporting producer, with his uh, weirdly monkish haircut, is looking at us through the glass and kind of sniggering at the idea that Spurs win the Champions League. I tell you what, I got more chance than Arsenal. That's all. That's all I'm saying to you. Why? Now. Why not win the Champions League? Of course, absolutely. Let's do Champions it. League is pretty random. Let's get no, do it. I don't think there are that many incredibly good teams in it. No, really? I think I think the only I think the only team who I would who I would the only team who I wouldn't want Tottenham to get is Real Madrid. Yeah, 
Beyond that, they might lose seven 0 to Liverpool and go out. Yeah, beyond that, I think. I mean, like, I the, fear another seven two from Bayern. To objectively, be the next best team in it is Manchester City, who Tottenham always beat, at, at least at home. Bayern, Bayern are a very good team. I think Spurs could beat them. Wow, okay. if, Spurs, if Spurs got through. I'm Tim, I'm, what about, this, this how are you enjoying this? How are you enjoying this? You're a, you're supposed to be a sort of um, objective Where's this reporter. Where's this, this optimism came? From? I'm not I'm not that optimistic. I mean, I think the Spurs are pretty bad, all things it's considered. Come but on, I think you that, Spurs, Tim. But I think that you know the Champions League is quite a weird place, and a lot of you know there's not a lot of other good teams in there, and strange <laughs> things have happened. Yeah. Uh, do you think those other teams are better than Sheffield United? Well, yeah. I mean, but at least they play the proper. At least they play a proper team. That's true. Well, well, it'd be no, funny if they no did. way of knowing that. Who knows? <laughs> Imagine if, yeah, if I get to the final yeah. of the Champions League. Like, mm, and then prior, prior, we've got Leeds away next week. <laughs> yeah. We've got and Brentford at home in August. In the Ataturk Stadium uh, in, in Istanbul. Help come Spurs for the final of the Champions League. And Lucas Moore, who missed the previous final. There he is, trotting out uh, for Spurs, replacing Harry Kane, who starts on the bench. Uh, they're saving him for the uh, charity shield or something yeah. further down the line. Let's not forget that Spurs were rubbish in the league when they got to the Champions League final. That is true. They yeah. scraped fourth. They, 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 they only got fourth. They were And they only got fourth because of other teams were bad. So, you know. So what we're saying is it's almost certain now that Spurs are going to make the final of the Champions League, yeah? Apparently so. Yes or no? Are they going through to the quarterfinal? No. 50-50. That's not an answer, <laughs> is it? Yes or no? I'm going to say no because you, uh, because I said they'd beat Sheffield United and I said they'd beat Leicester. So I'm going to okay. say they would lose to so Milan. Nobody around Tottenham. I think I have to say yes through, because they're going to get to the final. I think I have to say yes because of yeah. my silly my silly optimism from two minutes ago. And I'm going to say yes because I want them to. Are we going to see a back three of Romero? I guess it's going to be Romero, Longley, and Davis, isn't it? which puts the performance of Perisic, which I know you want to talk about, at left wing back into uh, uh, Molyneux into uh, a new light. He's going to have to do the same thing again. He's going to do better, isn't he, against Milan? Yeah, he trialled Longley. Well, not trialled. He's played there before, but Longley played in the middle of the back three at Wolves purely because. That's why I was saying earlier, it was a selection with Milan in mind. But yeah, Perisic... So he got 11, 11 assists before the World Cup and only two assists since. And I felt like those assists, which mostly came from set pieces, sort of masked his general performances. I think we said it at the time, you know, okay, he's, he's not exactly setting the world alight up and down that left flank, but at least he's setting up goals, you know, pretty regularly. He's stopped that now. His past completion rate has gone through the floor. He's at like 50%, 60% a game that, he, that he's finding teammates with passes. And um, I don't really see what he's contributing to the team at the moment, I've got to say. He looks so far off. I mean, when he came on against West Ham, honestly, without being cruel, he really embarrassed himself. Like, he's flying into stupid challenges. He couldn't get anywhere near the ball. And he just, like, I mean, it's a 34-year-old bloke playing in the Premier League, so, mm. you know, maybe that's kind of to be expected in the second half of a long season with yeah, the World I've, Cup I've, in the middle. Yeah, with a long World Cup. But, I, I, I mean, it, it does, you know, Cessna on being injured, obviously, has, has changed the, the landscape there a lot. They still had Matt Doherty at the club when that happened. Yeah, yeah. And as Tim often says, it's his preferred position on that. Yeah, he loves playing left wing back. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks Paris was actually pretty good before the World Cup. I thought he was Spurs, but when Spurs won in Marseille, which is one of their best performances and results of the season, Paris was really good that day. Like, he worked really hard. He was clever. I think he played on various times on both sides. And yet, the performance level just hasn't really been there at all since the World Cup. And the one thing I can't really get my head around, he hasn't scored a goal. At the start yeah, of the season, mad. I thought, 
look, he might struggle a little bit with the speed and the physicality at points because it's you know it's tough playing wing back in the Premier League when you never played there before at his age. But I did think he'd be really good for popping up at the far post, bang, big header, like the goal he scored against Japan in the World Cup. Most um, of his chances have been headers, obviously. And, and yet he, he hasn't, he hasn't really looked like scoring, has he? Has he? No, I can't. He's not had many chances. I mean, he had that header against Sheffield United, which was which he didn't score from but I was expecting him to be far to contribute far more in terms of goals because obviously Tottenham particularly given how Tottenham play which is wanting to get the you know wanting to get the wing backs into goal scoring positions and we it see just it hasn't all of the others really or not that often but you know that, the, the goal against Leeds last season that we talked about and the West Ham goal the other week where Royale scored yeah from a Royale gets into far more goal scoring positions than Perisic and Perisic uh, spent his whole career getting yeah, goal scoring positions my expectation was that he would be the guy who'd be like busting a gut to get in at the far post and I mean you know we talked before about Royale not having the delivery, yeah. but I mean, he's not been the only player that's played there. But the number of goals from wingbacks in total this season. So Sessegnon's got two. Oh yeah, Roy's got two, he got one at Man City. Yeah. This is a setup for Tim to say they should have signed a Dharma Traor and converted him to play wing back, which is obviously a, a pet cause of this podcast. Yeah, Kevin McDoherty is pretty. Well, I suspect that part of our despair at uh, Perisic's form is because we, we think now of as a wing back, but a lot of this forward playing that he did and a lot of these goals he got, he's playing as an attacking player. And I have, I've, I've thought, I have actually thought at times when Son was struggling that we played Perisic wide left. Under a different manager in a, in a 4-2-3-1. I mean, they have loads of players who could play on the left of that three. Sure, if that does sure. happen. You've got Son, you've got Rich Allison, you've got Dan Juma. But technically, none but, of them are better than, than Ivan Perisic yeah, when maybe, he's playing yeah, well. Maybe. This is where we played for Croatia in the World Cup, wasn't it? On the left of the front yeah. three what would you, as it stands, what would you define as the highlight of the season? Because yes, they beat in Chelsea, but Chelsea are bad. Yes, they beat in Manchester City, but as you said, they always beat Manchester City. There's oh, Marseille away. I mean, no, good result, not a brilliant performance. With, with on, but what, but what, what would be the moment as it stands that Ka- would be Kane, the highlight? Kane breaking Jimmy Grease's that's record not, yeah, is the highlight. That's quite good. For me. That's okay. You know, that's, that's something I will remember forever. As I said at the time, I, I, it was something like discovering there was a, a place higher than Mount Everest that I thought I'd never, ever see. And then bang, there it is happening in front of my eyes. And to a player that I have nothing but admiration You've really and affection for. you really undermined my point there. What, by being but, right again? <laughs> but my, my point is, <laughs> right, in, terms of like, in terms of results, performances on a team level, like there hasn't been like, They've been good and positive. That's still going to be a great performance in the Champions League or putting together five wins on a spin that really gives us a chance to qualify. That's yet to come in my, again, Panglossian world. You know, you used to get uh, end of season uh, videos or DVDs. Yes. And, you know, they'd they'd roll out the highlights in the little montage at the start. I mean, you know, it wouldn't last very long, would it? Is what you're saying. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, we keep going through the cycles here of ridiculous optimism back down to there hasn't been a single moment of the season I'll remember. (laughs) Yet. Yet. There we are. That's what we have. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. I hope that Jack is right and the next podcast will be filled with the joy and an almost ridiculous joy of the team getting through to the last eight of the Champions League. It's possible. We'll see how it goes. Jack's piece about the future, maybe a Conte-less future, will be on The Athletic. Uh, one of millions of things that are there to read, a lot of them about Spurs. So if you're not already an Athletic subscriber, you should sign up now to read all of the in-depth Spurs coverage, as well as everything else on the site. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod and sign up right now for $1.99 a month for the first 12 months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later this week. Thank you to James and Jack and Tim and it's been lovely to be with you in in actual you know face to face across the table come on spurs
The Athletic.